Got it. Analogs roll clean systems, correct? That is company one, correct? Com company and, one. And the sister company, another one that I uh, oversee is called Esca Industries. Okay. And it's also known as Esca Blast. Okay. And actually, you can't, let's see, let me stand up for a second. Yeah. There yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah, I see <laughs> so, it. Yeah. Um, but, but, but these two companies are all under the same roof and they, um, in many ways, they are independent of each other. And the ESCA business, um, on that side of, of the coin, we are suppliers only. So, so not, we don't do any contracting or projects per se. However, we supply contractors, we supply government, we supply corporations with all different kinds of surface preparation equipment. And the common term is sandblasting, but um, the, the market or the industry is better described as surface preparation. Okay. And, and there's a full range of activities that fall under that umbrella, but that's what ESCO is all about, Tom. Okay, yeah, and so for anyone that didn't watch it, um... We did an episode a week ago today, so I think episode 180, 180, whatever it was, we did a, we did laser cleaning, and yeah, you we were mentioning the different, I say we, you were mentioning, and I was nodding like a moron, Is um, but one of them was dry ice cleaning, and um, yes. I thought that was the coolest thing, and you picked up on me clearly getting excited, and um, so yeah, unlike last week, I I don't know anything about this, so I'm actually going to take a break from my normally uh scheduled rambling during every episode and i'm <laughs> yeah. gonna kind of sit back and i had a guy on the last two weeks one guy gave a history of the vacuum tube and oh, okay I that, saw that one. Yeah. yeah yeah that was very yeah and he, and he saw yours he, he saw the laser cleaning one so yeah, uh, yeah. got some got some dual uh dual watching but with those episodes i'm finding as much as i'd like to think i'm well read there's a lot of stuff that i don't know anything about and this right. is something that to my own ego's dismay, I know nothing about. So I am going to sit back and let you let you teach me about dry ice blasting or surface surface preparation. Yeah. The floor is yours. Gotcha. Thank you. So it's a it to me is a very fascinating industry. I uh, got involved back in 2007, so you know have a decade plus now uh, in the trenches, if you will. The you know, when people hear the term sandblasting, they probably think of something that's messy and hard to do and almost, you know, is there any other way to prepare the surface besides sandblasting, right? Uh, like a, a, a method of last resort. And, and that truly is old school thinking. The uh, sandblasting conducted today is just way different than it was you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. One of the couple of big differences, uh, one is the introduction now of all these different kinds of medias. And in media, you know, we're not talking uh, cassette tapes or, or, or DVDs, right? So, so that term media is also used in the surface prep industry. And it's just referring to the aggregate or the abrasive or the powder that someone's using to achieve a certain kind of finish on a substrate. So um, it, it ranges from what we refer to as non-destructive media, which would mean it's very soft. It has, it has some properties or characteristics that allow it to either clean or abrade a surface but ultimately, uh, you know, there's so many different eco-friendly choices out there today. That's why I said it's just way different than, than the sandblasting that was conducted, you know, uh, years ago. Uh, and, and if you go into the history of sandblasting, it, it's a process that was developed a, a long, long time ago, back in the early 1900s. So it's been around, you know, for, for a very long time. And just the basics of sandblasting, uh, for those that, that aren't familiar with it, it's a pneumatic operation. So any type of blasting operation gets powered by compressed air. Mm -hmm. and, and that compressed air 
can come from a variety of air compressors. If you are working in a manufacturing plant, typically those plants already have house air uh, of some sort, and you can plug a blaster into their air system and, and use it in a plant environment. You can also do field projects. Uh, and in that case, you would be using an air compressor that is fueled with diesel or gas, and it would be an air compressor that gets hitched to your vehicle and, and towed around. Um, so, and then there's uh, electric compressors too. So we supply, you know, ESCO is based outside of Philadelphia. We cover the nation uh, and certainly our backyard is all of the Northeast, including New York City. In New York City, we have supplied some real large projects where you can't park an air compressor anywhere uh, and, and they might be using an electric compressor instead to overcome that issue of, uh, of space in, in an urban environment. But, but no matter how you slice it, compressed air is still how you start the process. And then um, with different kinds of blasting, uh, it kind of boils down to these days either uh, dry blasting or vapor blasting or wet blasting. Uh, dry ice blasting is very unique um, and, and it's a niche. And, and maybe the I can kind of explain all of this by going from dry ice blasting, which is absolutely non-destructive blasting. And then I'll start to explain other types of medias that become harder and more aggressive than say dry ice and and kind of go through that uh, that range if that sounds okay to you that sounds awesome man I'm, I'm, like i said i'm i'm sitting I'm, I'm giddy i'm like all right let's go let's do it all right so so let's start with dry ice um and and, and dry ice uh, out of everything else i'm going to discuss is really the only media these days that requires its own type of blaster so it's dedicated equipment Dry ice is minus 107 degrees, so ultra cold, right? Um, and dry ice is also found in other markets, right? It's used to keep food cold and, and, and to make fog at a concert, right? There, there's other reasons people use dry ice. But in the world of blasting, what they have uh, figured out is a way to pelletize it. So when someone's ordering dry ice for blasting, it comes in a very large uh, 500 pound bin. And when you open the lid, what you're going to see are these 1 8 inch pellets. So it looks a lot like a rice, a very large rice uh, pellet, right? Or a rice grain. Okay. And what's super unique about dry ice is it sublimates. And sublimation, the definition of sublimation simply means it's, it's skipping the liquid state, exactly. Uh, so from a solid pellet, it then uh, turns immediately into a gas. Um, and therefore, one of the appeals of dry ice blasting, it's not making a mess. It, it truly is one of the cleanest blasting processes out there from that standpoint. So you still have primary waste, right? So if I'm dry ice blasting a printing press, and that's a very common application for, for dry ice blasting, I am removing dried ink, maybe dried glue or adhesive off of the press frame. And when I, when I blast it with the dry ice, what's happening is it's, uh, there's three things happening all at once. So the sublimation is occurring and that truly is an explosive effect from to go from a pellet to a gas is from a physics standpoint, a very powerful process. So, so there's this explosive effect that occurs that starts to uh, erode the dried ink or dry glue, let's say, then you have a mechanical aspect to this, uh, and, and you are shooting a solid onto the surface and that is you know just creating some agitation or or some impact is a better way to say it and you're firing the dry ice at uh depends on what you're doing but the range is anywhere from a 20 psi which would be very gentle mm -hmm. all the way up to over a hundred psi which all of a sudden that you know you're not going to put your hand in front of that uh it's it's designed to for impact and for effectiveness that's this and then the that third process 
is just the temperature, right? So if you're hitting something at minus 107, actually it might be 109. I, I know it's minus 107 or nine, forgive me there. So, uh, but it's still super cold, right? So, uh, and, and, and so you're freezing. And, and if you think about glue, especially, uh, certainly much easier to remove glue when it's brittle and frozen than it would be if it's gooey or, or, or room temperature. So, so all that's happening, you know, all at the same time, that, that's the dry ice process. And where it's used more and more on the industrial side, you know, uh, press cleanings, press frames, uh, people that have molds, so plastic manufacturers, injection molding companies, they have a need to clean their molds uh, these days frequently. And there's equipment that can be used in a plant. And when that mold is ready for cleaning, you can uh, very quickly clean it out. Usually there's outgassing residue or other remnants of the injection molding process that need to be removed to, to uh, maintain quality. Uh, and, and a dry ice blasting is a really good way to do that. So, uh, and then beyond that, Tommy, uh, Fire damage or mold remediation can now also be done with dry ice. You can also use baking soda, but, but there are two ways to skin the cat for those types of projects. But dry ice absolutely is a wonderful way to remediate, you know, for, for those types of projects where a, a disaster has occurred in someone's home. They hire a contractor and that contractor may, may show up with dry ice equipment that's going to be used to remove all the soot, smoke, uh, charring even, um, and, 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 you know, restore that house to like it was before the disaster. Is um, there any use, and this is, obviously it's not the sublimation, because that's one thing I always remember from general chemistry is sub, I said I wasn't going to talk, but here I am. This is, sublimation, I remember that, and I remember it was the opposite. Is it deposition? Is it gas to solid? That I don't remember, but not important. I'm not sure, actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, is now is there is there like a sweet spot? Because yeah, you're right. When it's very cold, it's you know, it's just, it's just like you know, just like when you got like a smudge on your desk or something. I mean, what do you do? You get hot water, right? Get get the right. get that molecular vibration up and just get it right off. Same with yeah, cold. Much easier to go in and you know just break it off, right? You go into the woods, going right. on a summer day. You got these these living moist branches you break them in the woods right, green exactly. you can't yep. break that off it's bendy you go in northern new hampshire where i'm from you know yeah. you go in in january you can just touch it and it shatters right like terminator yeah. is there a sweet spot though so obviously you're not going for complete destruction you're cleaning sensitive equipment you wouldn't granted it's not a solid but you wouldn't want to go like liquid nitrogen right because that is i would imagine that's just sheer destruction versus you want to destroy the contamination but not the actual thing that you're cleaning right right yeah so so when we say non-destructive cleaning essentially what we mean is it's going we're targeting what's on the surface any type of contaminant or residue and we're not destroying the substrate and, and so you're absolutely right. It's designed to do very delicate cleaning at times. So in a plant environment, it can be used on electrical gear. It, it's used quite a bit because it's also a waterless process. Uh, so, so it's a safer process than say using chemicals or things of that nature, but it can truly be, I've seen dry ice used for, you know, cleaning circuit boards. If that's how, how gentle it can be. Okay. And, and you would be using these, you know, real special pencil nozzles and going at a very low pressure, but, but absolutely um, dry ice is now considered a way to perform that. It's, it's a technical cleaning process, but, but the reason it's used is because it's not doing any, any harm to the underlying surface. Uh, so that's a key part of it. I mentioned, so the other appeal was the, the lack of waste. Mm -hmm. um, but one, one watch out would be for anyone considering the process for a project, you still have uh, what I call primary waste. So if you are removing the dried glue, it's not magically disappearing. It's still coming off uh, the equipment and then it's going somewhere. Um, and, and, and with some good technique, you can 
make sure that as you remove uh, the substance, it gets directed towards the floor of the ground and goes into one specific area. But, but boy, that's still way easier than trying to clean up. Uh, you know, so we're gonna talk about the abrasives that don't sublimate, right? Mm -hmm. and, and with those, it's an equation, right? It's primary and secondary waste that you are responsible for containing. Okay. But dry ice does eliminate a big headache from a containment standpoint. But some people get this impression it's just uh, like the laser, like we talked about previously, like like somehow that truly was vaporizing the you know, <laughs> contaminants. That that's not the case uh, for dry ice. Do you ever do like a one-two punch, dry ice followed by laser? Get the dry ice for the bulk of it. Like, you know, it's like you're chiseling a statue and you start with your block of marble. You don't start right. with sandpaper or a, or a Q-tip. Right. You start with a yeah. jackhammer, right? Yeah. And then when you're getting in, on, you're getting in that like Michael Ant or whoever one of the great car just carvers was sculptors, <laughs> right? You go in, you go in with the same. That's how you get those. You know, you see those old Roman statues where you see like a hand gripping an arm and the fingers actually you see it pressing into the skin and it's like how did they do that and it's well because they went in or they're just i mean they were removing millimeters at a time yeah but you don't start like that you start with a pickaxe and a bottle of whiskey and they're just going at it like you know like crazy do you would you ever would you ever use that would you ever use that sort of uh one two punch dry ice to you know get the Granted, it's all relative. A lot would be, say, a millimeter versus the billionth of a mi cubic micron with the laser. Is that a, is that a one-two punch? Or I, I need to stop interrupting you. <laughs> it's funny you said that because here's the deal with dry ice. So it's non-destructive. And there are some videos out there where people will see, oh, look, at dry ice can depaint my car or dry ice can also strip paint. And that's not quite accurate. So um, generally speaking, if the paint is failing, yeah, dry ice can start to remove what's flaking or ready to uh, to come off the surface. But if it's well-bonded paint, you would be there forever and spend a fortune before you could effectively remove all of the paint you're trying to remove. Mm -hmm. So we have supply projects where exactly what you just described. So they want to use dry ice as much as possible. So if they are just you know, a, a, a wall on a building, right? So they take the paint off of uh, cinder block. They, and, and they get as much as they can with the driest process, still eliminates a lot of the cleanup and containment. And then yes, they could very well come back and hit it with a harder abrasive for those areas where the dryers did not work too well. Okay. And, and actually Tommy, so this is, what's brand new in the industry is so so the dry ice equipment manufacturers recognize the what i just said that that dry ice as good as it is it still can't do everything so they now have equipment on the market we just installed uh one a couple weeks ago the first time we did this uh, where the equipment accepts both dry ice and other medias so all of a sudden uh, in the same package, you can dry ice blast, and when you come across a spot that the dry ice cannot tackle, you can flick the switch, and all of a sudden, you might be soda blasting. Soda is actually more aggressive than dry ice is, or you could be doing some other form of media blasting, all with one machine. That, that you know, it's it's funny because the dry ice equipment makers of in years past, they always try to position dry ice as the holy grail, like mm -hmm. they can do everything. But finally, there was acknowledgement that, eh, you know what, it's probably not in our best interest to continue to promote it for depainting a car because it, in reality, just doesn't work. Yeah. So, uh, and instead they went back to the drawing board and came up with some really neat equipment that, like I said, is multi-method now. And that's, uh, that, that is just, to me, it's, it's, it's neat to see that type of innovation. In, in my industry is so i was just thinking what is is there yeah so dry ice like you could use dry ice to remove paint from a car but it's almost like um it's like an analogy i had heard it's like using hennessy for a water ballast in like a ship it's like yeah it's a liquid but i mean it's it's 80 dollars a bottle use seawater it's free right it's using crystal to put out a forest fire like no just 
you just need liquid just you don't need you know you don't need yeah. this this nice wine or or champagne or something but is there and i think you're getting to this is there a progression from dry ice like okay you want to blast the paint off your car you don't want a laser you don't want a dry ice what is how does it morph for different i guess clients if you will or projects yes a perfect segue thank you for uh so so let's move on from dry ice but that's you know the basics right there and and certainly anyone watching this wants to dive deeper on you can you can find me right um i'm listening i'm getting a fan my my laptop is a you can definitely tell this isn't a laptop for podcasting. It's overheating, so I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I know, right? It's I gotta put a little fan in here. Sorry for technical difficulties. Excuse me, everybody. And we are good. Sorry about that. It's no it's this this laptop. It, it starts spooling up like a jet engine sometimes, and there's no uh, rhyme or reason. It's doesn't matter if it's Zoom or Skype. 20 episodes, no problem. And then you'll start doing an episode, and it's like, and I'm like, okay. So it's jerry-rigged. I got little fans everywhere. Sorry for the interruption. Back to the segue from dry ice to next. So um, let me start with just mentioning um, what what we talk about a lot in this world of of blasting. It's the Mohs hardness scale, M-O-H-S. And it is a simple scale, one to 10, one being talcum powder and 10 being a diamond. Okay. So dry ice registers at 2.0 on the hardness scale. So that's why it's non-destructive, a soft, gentle media, um, and, and, and therefore won't take, you know, a thick coat of paint off of metal, right? Uh, and, the, and, and so, you know, what we offer, uh, are medias that have all different hardnesses so the next one on the scale that we are involved with is is baking soda or sodium bicarbonate Uh, that registers at 2.5 so a little bit harder than the dry ice the other aspect of medias and how they perform is their shape so a, a crystal of baking soda under a microscope would look jagged and sharp and it is so it but but soft so again it's a very unique media so it's the same process right we're using an air compressor to power a blaster and instead of dry ice coming out of the nozzle now we're we're shooting baking soda soda blast it's a process that was uh, discovered back in the 80s for this uh, when the Statue of Liberty was being restored and the statue has it wasn't the outside or exterior of the statue it was the interior copper lining okay and very thin very delicate in need of restoration and the first step was to clean it long story short they they uh, stumbled upon this process of using baking soda and it worked wonderfully and P.S. This whole soda blasting industry was born, and 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 it's come a long way. So, uh, but but the soda, the technical term for a media that's soft but breaks up upon impact is called friable. So so soda has a friability characteristic okay. to it, and it just means that when it hits the surface, it's exploding or breaking up upon impact. So, so it's not sublimating, right? Because I know I use that word explode with the dry ice. Mm-hmm. That, that still refers more to the natural process of yeah. sublimation. Yeah, yeah. exothermicity. In this case, the soda is being delivered onto the surface. And when it impacts the surface, instead of digging into the surface, you know, instead of that energy carrying it forward into, into the metal or wood, it's actually stopping. And, and as it stops, those crystals are breaking up upon impact. And just think of, you know, so the soda crystal looks like the knife under the scope. And all of a sudden, when it hits, it subdivides. And instead of one knife, you have a hundred knives doing okay. the work. Okay. Know? And that's how soda is able to, soda can be used to depaint a car. Soda can absolutely remove some very tough coatings 
uh, Teflon coatings, piece of cake for, for soda blasting. So it's all about when someone still has a need to do non-destructive cleaning, they don't want to damage this underlying substrate, but they have a tough coating to remove. Baking soda is truly one of the, the only medias that can achieve that outcome. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm just, I remember, stupid segue, I remember in college we, we stole a fire hydrant. It was an old fire hydrant, but it was, it was in the woods. Not really stole. We took it yeah. and we painted it red and black, UGA, go dogs. We brought it into our apartment and we, I remember we put it on the wooden floor and we dropped a beer pong ball. And I remember the beer pong ball went around, went towards it and then started going around it. And we realized we had created like an orbit, right? Because <laughs> it was pressing down the floor. But all that to say, I, vague, I remember my, who's now a physician, saying without missing a beat, he was like, well, pressure is forced divided by area. He was like, this is too much in one spot. And so that's okay, that's that's baking, or that's the, that's the knife, right? You got a big knife and instead of that sort of non-forgiving, you ever see someone fall and hit their head on ice like a frozen lake? If, if, if it breaks, that's good, that's good. That's a lot less, the, the moment of impulse is a lot less on the skull, right? That's when it doesn't break, that's when it's like, uh-oh, because it was all delivered. So that's, so okay, you're, yeah, you're not hitting, you're not digging in. It's sort of like that, yeah, it's changing the hose to that like soft spray, if you will. This is, if you can't tell, I have weird ways of learning, but it's, it's, but that's how, so you hit it and it's, okay. Sorry, again, I, I learn out loud. I explain it to no one in particular. So I'm just, okay, I'm noted. Sorry, go on. That's cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, and, and again, so a common parameter for all of the blasting we're talking about today does include your blast pressure. So, and again, blast pressure is measured in PSI, pounds per square inch. Mm -hmm. And truly today, there's equipment on the market that can blast at a very low pressure, like five PSI. Okay. So five PSI, I could put my hand in front of a nozzle and it's not going to hurt me. I don't recommend that, but just for demonstration purposes, you know, we, we show people that at five PSI, you're, you're actually not blasting, you're cleaning yeah. the surface. When we do demonstrations, we um, we can take someone's business card and we can remove their name or logo and not do any harm to the cardstock. So that's how wow. gentle soda can be. And we can do that also with dry ice. You can do that. It's a little bit different, but it's the same effect. And there's a, another media called calcium carbonate where we can we can show people how gentle the process can be. That's a showstopper. Take the business card yeah. and clean it. Actually, so uh, there's videos out there of, of that going on, and then there's even um, you know you can blast a Coke or Pepsi can, and and you can you know have that go down to bare aluminum Whoa. And, and with all the ink or paint, and and again it's showing how gentle the process can be. So we work with uh, National Park Service. We work with conservators. So in this world of historic preservation, they cringe at the word blast. Their job is to preserve history. And and therefore, do no harm is the philosophy in that world. Uh, so we're, 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 we're plugged into that network uh, quite a bit. And and, and, and therefore, you know, they, they absolutely want to make sure if they're specifying a process to restore a building, to clean a facade or a monument, that whatever is being selected is not going to do any harm mm -hmm. to the actual object or to the building surface and things like that. So, What's the... Uh... Soda blasting, you know, there's... I, I could probably talk the whole hour on soda blasting because there's pros and cons to this stuff. But in terms of, you know, being able to fit in uh, the other stuff we want to cover, uh, I can just tell you this, you know, from a chemical standpoint, the fact that it's sodium bicarbonate, that's a watch out. So it contains salt. So we would not recommend soda blasting for a brick or masonry building. Okay. And the okay. main reason is, it's, it's a term called efflorescence. So without getting too much in the weeds, if anyone has driven by a brick building and seen a white haze on it, the white haze is efflorescence. What you're seeing is dried salts that have come out of the mortar or sometimes directly out of the stone. And 
if you are applying baking soda to that condition, it makes it worse. That that's what it comes down to. Okay. So there's alternatives to, to that, but that's a watch out. You want to make sure you're not a, a soda blasting something that shouldn't be soda blasted. Uh, it will yellow out your landscaping. Uh, usually, uh, you know, people don't want that to happen. Won't necessarily kill everything, but it can create an eyesore pretty quickly. So we always make sure people are aware of that, and we train people on how to avoid that situation from occurring. And the last watch out, and then we can uh, move on, would just be soda residue. So post blasting soda residue needs to. Uh, needs to be rinsed off. If, if you are going to repaint a piece of metal, you just want to make sure there's no soda left behind. And if you are, uh, and if you don't do that, if the new paint will not stick, that you, you're going to create an adhesion problem. So, isn't that you know, a sure people understand. Isn't that a problem in Dubai? Um, all the skyscrapers. I mean, want well, they've got oil money. So, and by the way, I know it said fit it in 60 minutes. You can do a million episodes, man. If you want, if you want to grab one topic and expand on it, go for it. There's no, there's no agenda. There's no schedule. There's no. We, we're our own bosses, man. We can do whatever we want. Right, it's um, right. but in Dubai, aside from having that oil money where they can just crank up the air conditioner and still have a glass facade on a two hundred four building, right? And don't worry about that. Just complete, you know, middle finger to Mother Nature. The sun beating in there and turning up the AC. But a big problem they have and why they clean the towers nonstop, think the Burj Khalifa is, is what, 2,712 feet tall, 827 meters? Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's insane. It's over twice as tall as the original. If you, if you stack the original World Trade Centers on top of each other, right. taller than that. It's insane. But wow, I didn't know that. that that's crazy. It yeah. isn't. It isn't. I mean, I love skyscrapers, and that is another episode for another time. For 100 years, they, everyone kept up doing each other up by like 5%. Burj Khalifa came in and outdid everyone, but it was something like a thirty or forty percent in terms of in terms of height. Because up until then, it was Taipei one hundred one. That's why it's been the tallest for about ten years. Which, in, in skyscraper terms, aside from the Empire State Building, that 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 is a like that is a kingdom. That is a a dynasty. You don't last that long. So, point B. I need to find someone on for skyscrapers. They have to clean it nonstop because where is it? It's in the middle of the desert. And they say right. the biggest destructive force to it yeah. is it's not wind. It's not, it's not, it's not physical degradation. Well, it is physical degradation. It's the salt blowing from uh, the sand. Yes. They said yeah. that destroys it, which is why they clean it nonstop. I'm sure. End of rant. Sorry. So, yeah. yeah. So, so definitely, I mean, there's, um, there's many ways to clean a building, but media blasting is becoming more popular because... Uh, the alternatives are power washing or a use of some sort of chemical agent. They all have their uh, risk. Power washing sometimes can do more harm than media blasting. Chemicals usually used for cleaning buildings are acidic in nature. So not only will the operators be exposed, but the building itself reacts to that type of uh, acid cleaner, like a muriatic acid or something of that nature. Yeah, so, it's... Um, and so so one last point just so you know so where is soda blasting used right um it's very popular today in remanufacturing so think of like uh we deal with big companies they're remanufacturing engines and motors so when they first come into their shop they're breaking them down the very first step of any reman operation is cleaning soda can degrease uh take the oil off of old parts and reveal what the remanufacturer is up against. What do they need to repair and fix before they can sell it again? So, okay. so very popular in that whole, that's a big industry uh, and, and used quite a bit. And I mentioned, so, so fire restoration, mold remediation, very popular. Sometimes graffiti removal, sometimes not. Uh, and, and really, uh, it's, it's still used in the automotive industry uh, to a certain degree. And it used to be used a lot for boat bottom paint removal. So soda, again, because of its gentle nature, it's not going to harm the gel coat or fiberglass found uh, on a boat. I wonder. But that's where people would find soda blasting being used. I wonder if there'd be any like removal use for, because I know for the Apollo astronauts, something mm -hmm. they like discovered while they were up there was mm -hmm. just how dangerous lunar dust was. 
because it's microscopic, but it's like hyper sharp. And it's right. like, it, I mean, it's like worse than sand, right? It's like a fine powder almost. And so right. they obviously they had to, you know, your multiple seals going back into where the land or the limb. But right. I wonder as we like move out there and we're trying to build like an actual lunar outpost, or I imagine we'll come across the same problems on Mars is yeah i wonder if there if there would be you know, i don't know i'm just thinking some like star trek type you know you walk into the the vacuum room and a circular laser comes down and up or something but it's because that stuff if you bring it back into the living space i mean it's like it's like nanoparticulate right it's like the 3d printing fumes that like you can't see but are like highly highly damaging yeah right. maybe that's what you need to do man get in on that uh, spacex venture i'm I get so distracted. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Yeah, man, hey, defense contract. That's where you get set for life, man. You got to go in and get those those big, juicy defense contracts, but I don't know. Yes, yeah. We, we, uh, we're trying. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, man, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, man? You got to get in. Yeah. yeah. I think you need to. That's, that's where it's at, man. That's where it's yeah. at. It's, yeah, it's, I know one of the problems with, with like, isn't the Mars rovers? The problems they have is the biggest problem. It's not shooting it. It's not shooting the uh, the. It's not hitting that hole in one. However many tens of millions of miles away. It's not driving it around. It's not the time delay. It's not even getting stuck because they're very good. They have what six wheels. They can all go independent. Yeah. It's pretty simple actually, in yeah. all of my knowledge of rover. It's the yeah. solar panels getting a fine coating of dust on them. Right. Cut off mm -hmm. the power. The whole thing screwed. That's right. yeah. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's where you need to go, man. Just mount a little laser cleaner, just because. I mean, they'll literally they'll JPL. I mean, they'll they'll schedule their whole day's movements based on the weather. Right. Where's the dust coming? Because if we cover these solar panels, and it's so primitive, you'd think that you'd think NASA would have it figured out. But with the real movements are, it's like all right, shift it, and they're almost like try to do like a little shimmy knock it right. off and it's like is that the best we can do we we can put a rover on mars and we're just shimmying the dust off that's what you need to do man is for everyone listening october 1st i'm actually having on a guy that helped design one of the mars rovers i'll plug uh i'll plug you jeff i'll be like by the way <laughs> but uh sorry keep interrupting i'm sorry i get excited so soda blasting move from there all right so so that's you know in a nutshell soda blasting um and dry ice blasting, there, there's a cousin to soda blasting. Uh, it's calcium carbonate or crushed limestone. It can also be known as dolomite or dolomitic limestone, but ultimately the big difference here is, you didn't hear me say the word sodium, right? So, mm -hmm. so that becomes what I call architect approved in terms of a media that can be used on a brick building because it does not run the risk of, of that condition efflorescence and it's very soft like soda so back to the Mohs hardness scale uh, soda was 2.5 this crushed limestone is just slightly harder it's a three on the scale still classified as a soft media in our world and all of a sudden uh, you have a great chemical free non-hazardous media that can do this gentle cleaning and do it very effectively and we've supplied this product to very high profile projects down in Washington, DC. Um, there is projects we've supplied in New York City and Philadelphia, but they all are old buildings or old monuments. And they're using this media for that restoration work, the cleaning that occurs before things get you know, restored to news. Okay. Uh, so, so that's out there. Um, there's a media, it's plastic media. It's at this basically the same hardness as the limestone, about a three. That shows up a lot in aerospace. Uh, and, and that's used because you can reclaim this plastic media. It's still gentle. Uh, it's used by the military uh, a lot, the army and so on. And it's, uh, it's been around for years, actually. And, and that also is a form of media blasting. Okay. The uh, next on our list would be walnut shells. And walnut shells register at a 3.5. What? And those have been around for a little while, too. Um, and, and so 
you know, if you need something to be a little more aggressive or you, you want to try to use something that doesn't generate as much dust as soda may, uh, you know, there's a spot for, for walnut shells. A huge watch out is it's if you have an allergy, you cannot use walnut shells. You know, it's, it's, it's on our website. You know, that's like the first thing people say on our web, uh, walnut shell pages. Make sure yeah. that you know, no one is allergic to the nuts or, or you got a problem. Yeah. Right? So, uh, it's but, the, the we, last uh, thing you think about. Yeah. And, and that so so 3.5 in this hardness scale means it's still friable, still going to break up upon impact. But you're going to start, like you are going to start to feel the shells bounce back at you a little bit mm-hmm. as you're blasting. You can just tell this is this is definitely a little more aggressive yeah. than the other medias I just mentioned. Yeah. And, and shells at a very high pressure, you might start to uh, do damage, if you will, to, to wood substrates more than you would with the others. And, and you just would have to... Uh, you have the right approach yeah. when, when you're consulting with people they ask, well what pressure should i use it's it's really just start low and you can always go high that, that's always uh, how we give people to make sure they're not doing any harm right off the bat yeah well, mm-hmm. yeah well that's pretty good mm-hmm. advice for life in general <laughs> just <It is. laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah the so. philosophy of surface cleaning but yeah, yeah. walnut sh- i would have never i would have never in a million years i mean that's like world war one they collected yeah. If you were a good patriotic American, what you would do is you would collect your peach cores. Why mm. would you collect your peach cores? Because they use that in the gas masks. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Never in a million years. But it's, yeah. it's 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 always some weird thing, right? So yeah, be, yeah, yeah. good war effort for be like cleaning the tanks. Save your walnut shells, you know? Yeah. Uncle yeah. Sam, you'd have your awesome propaganda poster. Save your walnut yeah. shells yeah. for the GIs. But yeah, what's after walnut shells? What's the next up? So after shells, um, we, there's actually, I, we don't carry this. It's, it's more old school, but it's, it's, it, it shows up once in a while. It's actually corn cob. Uh, so, <laughs> Another so, one. So, yeah, there's a, well, more repurposing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so, so, but, but not, we don't find like there's other medias that have taken over for corn cob. Corn cob needs special equipment and it can get pricey, believe it or not. And all that stuff. So, but it's out there. It's, it's another blast media in use today. Uh, that's insane. A bioproduct, right? So, and then uh, after that, uh, you start to step into a, more of a traditional hard abrasive, something that isn't going to break up upon impact and instead is going to start to texture or profile a surface. Okay. And so next up uh, is crushed recycled bottle glass. Okay. And, and an offshoot of that is glass bead. But ultimately, bottle glass has been around for about 10 years now. It's very economical. It's being, re- it's being processed and engineered for blasting, uh, but it starts out as the, the bottles you and I are throwing away in our recycling bin. Mm-hmm. And what's unique about bottle glass is there, it's gonna. This might sound weird, but it's semi-soft. How's that? You know, yeah. or semi-hard. But yeah, but, no, I got but it. it's a, it's a six to six point five on the hardness scale. And the best analogy I can come up with would be, you know, if if we drop a bottle onto uh, you know concrete, right, onto the floor, it's going to shatter upon impact. However, you know, it's it's still going to do some harm probably to the floor it, it hits. Um, so, so that's what I mean. You know, if you're if you're glass blasting onto steel, it's it's going to create some type of profile or texture. When I say profile, I'm like talking about peaks and valleys on, on the surface of the metal, and that's you know sometimes you need that. You need that for any new paint or coating. It requires a certain surface profile so that it can adhere to and bond to, to that surface yeah it's... Um, so glass is neat because again at a lower pressure we we supply contractors now that actually can use glass on bow bottoms so so even though soda is still in use today for that type of work uh the savvy contractors have figured out a way with the right technique they can still do that bow bottom it goes faster than soda because it's more aggressive 
and it's creating it's creating a slight texture but it's what the painters want to see quite frankly for, for repainting purposes and and they're not doing any underlying harm to the gel coat and that is tricky uh and and certainly uh we we have heard of people that when they don't really know what they're doing you know all of a sudden they've poked a hole in the fiberglass mm-hmm. uh, no one wants to do that but but you know, it comes back to economics. Uh, recycled bioglass is a third of the cost of baking soda. So, so that's what drove people to try to find an alternative. And, and, oh, and glass today is widely used in all sorts of sandblasting applications. I wonder if there's like, I was just thinking of like widely repurposed, like what is, you know, what's the next medium that's out there that's just untapped. I wonder if you could go like super soft but like a high pressure. What if you could like shred? I mean, like, I don't mean like rip apart. I mean, like truly like shred down to like tiny little pieces. What if yeah. you could do that with like plastic bags, like shopping bags, think like Walmart bags. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, obviously I don't know anything about surface blasting. What if you shredded that down to nothing and then just cranked up the PSI? It's still yeah. like soft. It's, I'll leave that to you though. You're the, you're the entrepreneur in this, not me, but. I mean, there are things that have crossed our desk from time to time, uh, neat ideas and things like that. I mean, there's no way I could talk about all the different medias out there today, but for instance, cut wire is is another example of, of a media that's out there that's used for specialty applications. Okay. There's ceramic beads. There's, there's actually a lot of different choices today yeah. for people to use. The ones we're talking about are, I would call them most popular. Okay. And, and widely used by, by lots of different folks and, and companies and, and, and things like that. Okay. Um, so, so the recycled bottle glass, we haven't really touched on mesh sizes, but this is a good example of, so, so glass is six or six and a half on the hardness scale, that never changes. And you can order it, think, think like sandpaper, right? So yeah, a yeah. 220 grit sandpaper is very fine. And an 80 grit sandpaper is going to be much coarser and and in the world of medias it's the same when we hear people talk about a uh a 160 mesh glass that's a super fine powder and when you hit you know then you, they might instead be getting a 2040 mesh range that's going to be more of a medium coarse grit and, and you can customize your profile so so the uh, larger the particle that means it's going to create a much rougher surface, just like sandpaper. Mm-hmm. That, that's no different with regard to that. Okay. And, and then, so so moving on from glass, um, there is so old glue blasting, uh, and it's still in use today. But but sand is still used. It's becoming increasingly difficult to source silica sand. It's it's used a lot in fracking. So there's a, a, a demand for it in that business. It's actually being used a lot for beach replenishment. So, so it's not as available. And the biggest problem with sand is the dust. It c- contains silica and no one wants to breathe in any form of silica dust. It leads to silicosis. And if you have alternatives, then why not use mm-hmm. something where uh, you still might breathe in some some dust, but it, it would be classified as non-harmful or non, non-hazardous dust. Okay. Uh, so, so that's a huge difference from 20 years ago. Sand, if you start to Google, there's just a lot of controversy. OSHA is involved and, and you know, really we, we don't sell silica sand and, and we never will and, and for all the right reasons. Okay. It's just, uh, there's, there's too many good alternatives. There's no reason for anyone to use silica sand. Okay. There's another old school media, which is still in use. It's pole slag. And, and truly, um, that has its own set of issues from a health standpoint. So pole slag that's being repurposed, but it's a byproduct of coal production. There's a lot of it out there. Um, so it's, it's very inexpensive but it contains a heavy metal called beryllium. Okay. And so that impacts also someone's lungs. No one wants to, I mean, you've heard of black lung disease. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's the same effect. And then it also has an environmental impact. You don't want to be just dumping beryllium uh, into the ground and things like that. Yeah. So 
So again, it's, it's you know, I would say Sand and, and Colesight are, are kind of cousins. You know, they perform similarly. They, uh, they're aggressive. They're inexpensive, but they have all these, they have baggage, you know, and, and, yeah. and so well, most people recognize that for what it is. Beryllium is, I mean, when we, when we wanted to create a, 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 a nuclear powered ramjet in the fifties, Project Pluto, mm -hmm. That was one of the main, aside from the fact that it was a nuclear powered ramjet and everything that went with that, one of the other things was, yeah, the exhaust was beryllium oxide. And that's one yeah. thing I, I vividly remember from the documentary yeah. was like yeah. getting the lungs and a horrific death. And yeah, yeah, they just said it's not something to, not something to toy with. But yeah, it seems like it, it sticks true even for surface blasting is, yeah, say no to beryllium. So someone watching might say, well, wait a minute, crushed glass is made from sand and that's true uh but different because it's processed glass the dust from crushed glass is innocent the instead of the dust being say free silica so so when you're using silica sand it's free silica that gets released into the atmosphere and when you're using uh, the bottle glass it's called amorphous silica and you know you still don't want to necessarily breathe that in but it doesn't contain any free silica so what i mean by that is free silica if we breathe that in it has what we just call a fish hook on it uh on, on the molecule and that fish hook latches onto your lungs and, and it doesn't come out uh, with the glass that fish hook is is gone and therefore when you breathe in amorphous silica you then can expel it or okay. exhale it it's not going to stick around in your lungs for okay. any length of time so, so there is a key difference there Ugh. and i know you have a smart audience tommy i know some <laughs> that'll be wondering that so i wanted to mention so, someone well, will there's a lot smarter people than me man people always comment on i'm sure yeah. someone's gonna tear me a new one that's not what we do with the mars rover i'm like all right i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm trying i'm trying to piece this together so i I yeah. try to, yeah, yeah, no, it's, but that's good. They, 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 yeah, they, they keep me, they keep me learning. But, um, yeah. yeah, so silica, what's after that? I know, I know I said I'd let you go at, at 10. Like I said, man, you don't have to fit it all into today. No, I know that. I mean, we'll, we'll spill over a little bit. It's okay. not, not okay. a problem. All right. um, so, so what's next is something that we have been involved with for these about eight years now. It's a product that comes out of Canada. It's called Jet Mag. And it's an engineered abrasive, um, and, and it, it, it basically is getting processed at a very high temperature. So it's kiln fired at 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That processing calcifies it and turns it into a very hard, aggressive abrasive. And it also burns away any, what I call nasties, but when, once they're done with the, the kiln, there is nothing uh, nasty left of it. no heavy metals no silica whatsoever and so on it's a product that's approved by the military for blasting so it's a quality engineered abrasive that's what we when people call us i don't want to use coal slag anymore what do you have that will perform the same and not break my budget that's our go-to uh in terms of a recommendation okay. it's a really good product and, and and when i said you know so you can if you drop a bottle of glass, it breaks on the floor. Jet mag, if I could make a uh, bottle out of jet mag, for instance, and dropped it, it wouldn't break on the floor. That's how much harder it is. It'll it, break it's the floor. It's going to back it. Okay. So, so much more aggressive. Okay. On that hardness scale I mentioned, the jet mag's a seven and a half. And again, the glass was a six. So, um, and, and so that's used a lot for industrial blasting purposes. Think municipal water towers, right? Big projects okay. in the field uh, that might that may be a media that that they would choose for for that type of project. Okay. Beyond that, there's garnet, and garnet is mined uh, either in Australia or India primarily. There's some garnet mining in western uh, western part of our country but most of it still comes from overseas. That's an eight on the hardness scale. So it's much harder, but the shape of the crystal, uh, if you remember the soda was sharp and jagged like a knife, garnet under a uh, scope is what's referred to as subangular. So it's more rounded. Okay. It still can cut through paint and remove rust. Because of its density, it's reused a lot. 
So it can be, uh, and it's also used for water jetting. So, so water jetting machines, which cut steel in a manufacturing environment, they actually uh, rely on garnet to boost the cutting process. And, and it's a very, very popular application for, okay. for the garnet. Okay. How, how do you spell garnet? Uh, it's G-A-R-N-E-T. Okay. And it's, you know, there's, there's jewelry that's made out of garnet. And, and and this is the same substance. It's just, you know how there's industrial diamonds uh -huh. and you have diamond rings? It, it'd be the same principle. There's an industrial garnet and then there's refined garnet for, for jewelry purposes and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't wanna you don't wanna break into the, the diamond industry. You don't want the beers coming after you. You'll have some mercenaries at your company door. Yeah, yeah. Keep your head down. Don't yeah. don't peek over the parapet. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get into uh, the metallics. So there's aluminum oxide that's used as a blast media. There's steel shot or steel grit that's used. Obviously, these are registering right at the top of the hardness scale. Uh, they are widely used for big blasting operations. So the military, for instance, uh, there's an Army Depot uh, up in the Poconos, not far from where we are, or Povihana, I've been up there. They have a they have not one, but like six humongous blast rooms. So just picture a giant army military vehicle being, you know, driven into one of these rooms. They shut the door and they go to town. They start blasting it. Uh, and, and again, they're they're taking off all the old paint and, and before they can put new paint on it. But, yeah. There are some very, I think what, when I first got into the industry many years ago, like I had no clue that, you know, I, I thought of sandblasting kind of out in someone's backyard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And realized it was such a large scale process uh, found in, in at very large companies oh, yeah. and built in their installations. And yeah. so on. It's very impressive to see that scale of operation. It's quite impressive. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think I mentioned it the last episode, the M1 Abrams tank. Which is, I mean, that is that is the tank of the world. That is the best tank in the world. We don't sell them to any allies. Someone's yeah. gonna fact check that and yell at me. But yeah, what they do is they'll they'll take those things in these huge hangers and they'll almost it's almost like a hook. They'll take off the turret and then they'll pick up the base and they put it on one end. And so this whole like twenty ton thing is just hanging. And yeah, what do they use? They use sand. They have multiple angles. And yeah, and they close the huge blast doors. Like you said, they just go to town and then they bring them out, look like new. But they do that for tanks coming back from like the Middle East. That's how they, yeah. yeah. So no, no, yeah, it's definitely not just like a DIY thing. It's yeah. mean, defense it, industry, it, yeah. And what's um, so, so? I mean, like I said, there's a few other media's out there. It's impossible to uh, to include them all in in this discussion. But but that I think gives your viewers a really nice for the range that's out there and, and the fact that you can uh, customize your finish. And, and I think that's a piece of information a lot of people still don't realize. Mm -hmm. they, they still either are associating sandblasting as a destructive process, uh, but they don't realize it actually now is trending towards a replacement method for current uh, projects that are done with chemical strippers or solvents and things like that. So it's you know, my, uh, my staff laughs at me sometimes, but I, I actually feel that sandblasting is going through a renaissance. Oh, yeah? And, and my business is growing, you know, throughout the years. But the reason it's growing is because people are looking for better alternatives. They need to go faster, be more effective. They don't want to do any uh, environmental harm. And they want to, you know, have a safe environment for their workers. And in today's blasting, you can check off all those boxes. You know, we, we have been involved in very neat projects and complex projects where people were just blown away. They just didn't know that this could be done with today's uh, equipment and so on. And then, uh, and, and, and so just to touch on the equipment a little bit, because this is a huge trend that's, uh, that's occurring as we speak. So vapor blasting or wet blasting is now in use uh, much more than it ever was. How's that? And, and the latest innovation in my business is equipment where you can now combine water 
and the media into the same pressure vessel. Okay. And by doing that, and then you're still blasting, right? So you still need the air compressor, but all of a sudden that mixture means that when it comes out of the hose, you are not generating a bunch of dust. And and there's a you know there's a term that's used. It's really uh, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it, but dustless blasting is a term that that we use ourselves, right? And the right way to explain that is there's less dust. It's not dust free though, um, but it's a term that was coined a while ago and it, it's caught on. So, so this dustless blasting process or this vapor blasting process, uh, we work with a very large company that um, that makes a real good line of, of this equipment. They've done studies and their studies show that they, with their equipment in use, it's 92% less dust than it would be if you were not using water. Because there's still a bunch of blasting done in cities and urban environments. Nobody wants to be exposed to dust. Even if it's innocent dust, you still don't want that exposure to occur. So this trend towards using vapor blasters continues to grow and we are a part of all that stuff. Uh, but it's it's really, and, and all those medias I mentioned, they can all be run through a vapor blaster. So, so, so all these machines are what are known as multimedia machines these days. Uh, and the, so when this was invented, uh, it was all about reducing the dust. Then everyone learned all of a sudden there was another benefit that, that no one realized. Uh, it was the, because we're using water, all of a sudden we can sandblast, vapor blast, very thin sheet metal or even soft metals with a hard abrasive and not do any damage to the metal. So, so when you're dry blasting, you are creating a bunch of friction and that friction turns into heat. Hmm. When I was dry blasting aluminum or any soft metal, I would ruin it. I'm absolutely going to, they call it a warping or stretching, but, but that metal can get deformed and, and it's no good anymore because of that heat factor with the introduction of water in the process, that heat buildup is eliminated. So all of a sudden I can blast a thin piece of metal. I can achieve the surface profile I need for repainting purposes. And I don't have to worry that I'm gonna ruin my piece of metal. That has actually become, so, so people like the fact we're not producing dust, but that has almost become more valuable. Yeah. The fact that we're not ruining the objects and can now do a one-step process. We can blast it with the water and it's ready for paint. It, it's a really neat process. And we can even, by the way, run, so so some viewers might say, well, wait a minute. What about steel? Isn't steel gonna rust while I'm using water? Yes, however, you can run a very eco-friendly, fish-safe rust inhibitor through this equipment I'm talking about. Yeah. And by using the rust inhibitor, it prevents uh, flash rust development for up to two or three days. So, oh, so you can get them in the window before you have to worry about pain or whatever you're doing. It's the, it's the, it's, it's such like a simple thing, but I've always thought heat transfer is like the most interesting thing. Like, I don't think I'd want to do that as a job. I'm sure if I went to get like an engineering degree, I'd hate it, but just heat transfer just general. I mean, like I've got like a desktop, I've got like a, a laptop fan under this. I've got like a very low noise, low output, like vacuum attachment. I always make sure I do it on this desk because I know this desk stays cold because this room isn't uh, heated. It's just little stuff. I always, I've always been interested, but one of the things is always just, yeah, that addition of water. And it's just, just that a million things that that high specific, uh, specific heat capacity of water. It's always the tiniest things you never expect it for, but yeah, it's that minute stuff is, I was going to think use dry ice to to drop the temperature and then the heat waste product from the the collision would but i guess water is probably cheaper oh yeah and, well, and you're getting rid of dust never mind so i completely overlooked that so never mind scratch that oh my god that must be messy it's not yeah. um we are so you know power washing your that equipment uses let's say a lot of water per minute four gallons per minute on average right this vapor blasting uses it's measured gallons per hour wow. and talking about 10 to 15 gallons per hour yeah. that's it that yeah. that is not a mess it actually 
on a hot summer day, lots of times that water is evaporating as you go. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Definitely. Uh, so, so sandblasting has evolved, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I, uh, I absolutely enjoy my job. You know, I, I think it's neat to be involved in, in the period of time where there's a renaissance occurring for a very old school process. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think I think you need to do another episode and go full into the Renaissance because I think that sounds interesting. If you want, I don't want to I don't want to make you feel obligated, but I would love to have you on again, man. You're an I'll interesting you, cat. Yeah, I would love to come on again, uh, and and I do have some new uh, products that that we could talk about. Absolutely. Uh, in a while, so we've got a few things that we're ready to announce. So I'd Absolutely. be happy. To, uh, Please to do. Please do, yeah. man. It's I, I I I to me it's it's free learning. Like it's. I was going to sit in front of a YouTube video or listen to an audio book. So to me, it's just, and it's interactive. It's, I mean, I get the most, I'm, I'm spoiled. It's, um, very last note. And then, and then I'll let you go and I'll email you and we can set up another, uh, set up another episode. Um, also, yeah, don't feel, I get really excited and I have guests on again and again. And I always have to be careful because I don't want to come across as like a clingy girlfriend. Like you're coming on every week. Like, no, it's just when you want, you can come on again. Don't feel obligated. It's, um, but I was thinking, I was watching this video the other day of uh, how the Soviets put out a, a natural gas fire that had been going for 1,065 days. And what they did is they detonated a nuke next to it because it starved all the oxygen and it put out the fire. Wow. I was thinking with forest fires, I wonder, and this is going way off into the weeds. I was just thinking of like the ablative, you know, the laser ablation. Hmm. I wonder if you could somehow, I don't know, laser ablate like fire because i know they do they do like have you seen those videos recently of uh, the helicopters and they're carrying these instead of a bucket of water they have this big silver tank and they're just it's just burning diesel fuel and they're doing burn lines to you know oh, okay. yeah, yeah i'd crazy. never seen it before it looks crazy um wow. yeah it looks yeah. it looks like lava and they're uh but what they're doing is you know they're, they're burning lines through the forest to to starve right. it of fuel I wonder if you could just do that with like a li again what we said like quadcopters. I wonder if you could do that or those big 747s. Imagine if you could just mm. here's a fire in the mountains and you just fly over with like an AC130, but you just got a big laser, just burn it, ablation, just tear a line through it all. But yeah, I don't know. I'm getting maybe That's that a, might be on. <laughs> sounds in theory doable, you know. Yeah, it's ultimately would be abused and probably used in the war theater, but. Yeah. Hey man, that's how you, that's how you get those sick defense contracts. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you sneak into there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. sir, thank oh, you, yeah. thank you for coming on. I'll email you, and uh, I would love to hear about the sandblasting renaissance more in detail. And okay. um, thanks for coming on, man. I learned a lot. To, walnut shell, corn on the cob, not corn. Yeah, corn. Yeah, I learned a lot, man. I appreciate it, and I I love learning. And uh, thank you, man. And I've been meaning to say it for the last two episodes that Earth map you have that is badass. Over is your, cool? yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know if it's mirrored. Yeah, on your wall, it's yeah, that's yeah. badass. I like that. That looks yeah, really that looks yeah. really cool. That looks like something yeah. you'd see in the Pentagon. It reminds me, of it's just a big freaking world out there. Yeah, dude, it's I'm just a speck, you know. Yeah. Hey man, you got to got to keep it and got to keep it in perspective. Jeff Pajuana, thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on. I will link your companies and Spotify and all that for everyone listening. I'm going off on a rant. I'll email you and we'll set up a third one. All right, man. Bye, Tommy. Have all a good day, sir. You too. God bless. Stay safe. Bye. Peace. Do 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 do.